The presenting sponsor of Moon Tower Soccer is FVF Law. To find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm, you can visit FVF.law. Hello, friends, and thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer. This week, we have several roster moves to discuss, some confirmed, some reported, and some rumored. We also have a few other pieces of Austin FC news to talk about. I am, my name is Landon Cottom, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody, I'm Jeremiah Bentley. There, there for a minute, Landon, it reminded me of the uh, New Year's Day live show when you couldn't remember what your, what your opening <laughs> line was for a minute, but you nailed it. Way to go. I rely on these show notes a little too much, I, I discovered. Yeah, uh, I think we can't let today go by without something that we posted on social media. And I think you've probably seen everywhere for those of folks who are in Austin FC fandom. That is the five-year anniversary of Austin FC being announced as the uh, 27th Major League Soccer franchise by, what was it, hosted by Alexi Lalas with Don Garber, Steve Adler, and a host of friends of ours. And interestingly, Alexa, people I did not know that day who didn't even know that were there that day, but have also been posting photos themselves. So it's just a really cool way that, that, that this community has come together um, since that day. And you were playing playing drums that day, correct? That's right. Yeah, I was a in, drum. in the very small, at the time, Morga that consisted of, I don't know, four people <laughs> and then a bunch of drunken guys singing for the most part. Um, but yeah, I that we ended up... I think what what's that bar called that that took place at? The Rustic Tap was the bar that it, the event took yeah. place at. Yeah, and I'm, I'm getting. I think we had a different party there for Anthem back in the day too. And I'm getting we all these. We did. Things. We did. I think it was the same year. Even Anthem had like a South by Southwest party yeah. there at Rustic Tap. Um, but, so that was kind of. I I it happened to be down there. Um, oh, on Friday, I had a I had a meeting down there on Friday. I was walking around downtown and walked past like the Rustic Tap and Parlor and Yard, which was the place next door that they sort yeah. of stashed us in when they realized they weren't ready for <laughs> us. And I don't. Everybody drank a bunch of Lone Star and got really obnoxious. Like, but all those places, it's one thing. Given the nature, the changing nature of Austin, it's really cool to see all those places like still in business. But there was a little bit of a, of a throwback too. So after that, did you stick around like for the whole day? I remember that being the longest day of my life. And yeah, still being home at ten. Still being home at 10.30 also, too? Yes. I, I I was trying to think if it was that day or a different day I was thinking of, but the day got a little fuzzier as it went along, and I'm not going to say why, but uh, yeah, I, I was there until fairly, what felt like extremely late, but was not really all that late. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got home in the Uber thinking it was like three in the morning, and my wife was like still sitting on the couch watching TV. I was like, why are you still awake? And she's like, because it's barely after 10. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a good day. It was good to relive those memories. Uh, Alex Rubio took, took a bunch of great photos, uh, that we shared online and it's just, you know, it's a good little part of the Austin history. It's great to be able to have the things to talk about now that we have to talk about now. And, um, and we already talked about New Year's day, but do you want to maybe let's tease like another live event, which the framework is still not been put together, but we're going to have a little get together in February. Yeah. So this is going to be. February 15th. Is that right, Jeremiah? Do we have that February 15th. in the books now? <laughs> yes. We, it's on the books on Thursday, February 15th at 6.30. Yeah. And so we're treating this as kind of like a live show recording slash uh, preseason get-together kind of thing. So, yeah, it'll be a happy hour. We're, it's, oh, it's going to be at the Amplify Credit Union uh, Esperanza branch, which is close to the stadium, 
kind of across from the domain. I think everybody's experience on New Year's Day was that a temperature-controlled environment would be very desirable for, yeah. for, for those of us. So thanks to Folds and Amplify for helping us uh, make that work, put it together, and there'll be a lot more de- details to come. Yeah, I think this one's going to be... the New Year's Day leaned more to the party uh, the party end of the spectrum. I think this is going to be a bit more like live show end of the spectrum, but we'll still have a good time as well. Yeah, it'll still be fun. And it will not be... We will get home at a reasonable hour and probably remember remember the day. So that'll, that'll, that'll be a difference from the other event we just talked about. Jeremiah, before we get into the Austin FC news, I got a new toy that we are recording on right now. It's a, a little soundboard that I have on my desk here. And um, it, thanks to all of our, our Patreon members for making things like this possible to improve our equipment, make the sound the show sound better. I wanted to mention it partly to, because I'm still kind of learning how to use it. And so if the show sounds slightly different or sounds a little worse, potentially, I haven't heard what this is going to sound like yet. Uh, it will get better. I'll, I'll learn how to use it and it'll get better. But also I wanted to tell you, Jeremiah, that I have some fun new capabilities on this soundboard and I can make all kinds of fun new sounds like So there's a lot of uh, preloaded ones uh, that I don't know how often we'll use uh, like these, but then I can also make custom ones that we can drop in. And so the first one I put on there, I bet you could guess it if I gave you time, but it's... Think for nothing, so you never... I love it. And so then, anytime we can, we can use that with anybody? Yeah. And then the other one that I think we'll get some mileage out of is this one. I guess you are MLS experts. <laughs> <laughs> the most, yes, dismissive way to call somebody an expert. I'm very excited to, to be able to use that one. Actually, that, that, that not to spotlight the end of the show, but we, that we may be able to break that one out again for sort of the last segment of this show. Yeah. And anytime we talk about allocation money or anything like that. Um, I also was going through player interviews and just found some funny i don't know when i'll ever get a chance to use this but i have this one on here too i'd rather me miss than for example nick lima uh i went through ruben's interview that we did and i was it was funny but there's not a lot of like clippable ones but i'll be adding to this little this little bank listeners if you have any suggestions or want to send us any clips that you find let us know uh but yeah hopefully i i'll do my best to show some restraint using (laughs) using these sounds, but uh, hopefully it'll be a fun new addition to the show. All right, let's jump into the news of the week. So I think the one of the bigger things is um, training has started. The All the players have, current players that have signed or have reported and started training. I, I guess they did like some fitness tests and stuff over the weekend. We're supposed to have their first day of training today, Monday. I'm not sure if that actually happened due to weather. Uh, and we were supposed to be there yeah. for we were supposed to be there. media availability. That also got canceled. Yeah, so I believe the training got canceled, and I think the media availability got moved back to Thursday. So we will we thought we were gonna have some more news. I think it was a Josh Wolf and select players that were gonna be available, but now um we'll have more next week. I I cannot make it out on Thursday. Um, but there, I'm sure there will be a recording of some sort, hopefully, that we can get. Yeah, I'm still I'm still gonna do my best to go on Thursday, but I I mean I was really looking forward to going today, 
partly just, I mean, just to get the new season started up, but also to see who's out there. Like, who, like, are yeah. there any new faces, any trialists or anything? I don't know if any people like that would be out there today or not. Um, but maybe they will be by Thursday, so we can report back on that. Uh, I, I guess, like, updates that we got from training is the Austin FC social media accounts were reporting on the beep test. Uh, do, do you know the details of the beep test for any listeners who aren't familiar? It's basically there's two, I think, two points. I think they had cones set up this time. They're 20 meters apart. And basically, you have to go back and forth and before and, and reach the other side before the beep. And you, you go until there's only one person left who still can stay ahead of the beep. And so uh, this time it was John Gallagher. I don't remember if he won last year or not. John I think, Gallagher? I think they said he won last year as well. Yeah. He's the fittest dude on the team. I think there's like not a lot of doubt on that. So it's not surprising that he would be the person who would, who would win this drill. But that was one thing that we got to see. Uh, I think hopefully Swoon Tower-wise, there'll be a lot of content on like, they, there was a lot of vo- photos and video of the guys like arriving at practice for the first time reporting in on Saturday. Um, and I guess, do you want to go to this? Like we got to see some, this is a lot of North end pod sleuthing on training videos, but we got to see some of the, uh, FCTO players that were training with the first team. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think this is like the ones that we saw, I don't think are super surprising, but it is good to have confirmation that these guys are out there. So I think the second team players that we saw photo evidence of out on the training field were. Uh, Val Noel, Sebastian Pino, Czech Torre. And then looking through the North End guy's Twitter feed today, there was one photo of what looked like maybe Sal Mazzaferro, but I don't know that it's That's conclusive right. necessarily that that was him. That's but right. Those four guys. I've never seen it. Um, guys we didn't see were like Joe Hafferty is a guy who maybe I had predicted would get a chance at this. Just because we didn't see a photo of him doesn't mean he wasn't there. Um, but maybe he wasn't there. Um, we'll we'll find out more of this later. But those four guys, like they're there for sure. Yeah. Do you have any Do you have any expectations for any of those guys as far as being contributors of some sort? It seems like uh, Phil West put a Verde All Day article out today, suggesting that you know there's opportunity for them to maybe be supplemental roster players um, this year and get a few minutes, maybe play in some cup competitions. Uh, but is there one of them you think like would possibly contribute to the first team more than the others? Uh, I don't know that I would be able to say, I think there's a lot of circumstances that would play into that. Um, but you use the word opportunity. And I think that is what this is. I don't think any of them are guaranteed a spot. I don't think any of them are necessarily even likely to get a first team spot, but they will get the opportunity. They're they're there the same as any of these other players. If they show that they can be useful to this team, they'll get their chance. Um, I think we'll, we'll talk talk about international roster spots and stuff like that. That will come into play for some of these guys. If like that, that's just adds an extra obstacle for them. They need to not only prove that they're worth a roster spot, but also worth an international roster spot. Um, and so to, to convince the first team technical staff to use both of those spots on them, they're going to have to, they're going to have to show it in preseason and they're going to get that chance. But like I said, I don't, I wouldn't put money on any of them signing first team contracts. Yeah. I think that's, that's a great point. Those, yeah, those, the, um, 
that's the thing that is very unique that this the international thing is something that's like really unique to MLS. I think that weighs heavier than most people really appreciate or think about when when you're looking at sort of especially the end of the supplemental roster, sort of the end of the roster. Um, I guess another part time uh, FC not part time. A uh, frequent FC2 player we got news about also this week was Micah Burton officially signing a homegrown contract with Austin FC, um, making him effectively the first academy product to sign a homegrown Yeah, contract. I mean, and it's even, it's a, it's still debatable with him too, right? So Owen Wolf right. was the first homegrown player to be signed, which in Owen's situation, that is more of a roster designation and less of, less of an actual descriptive term of what he was because he he trained with the academy with the first team for I don't know like a year or something and then was signed to the first team as a homegrown so Austin FC did not develop Owen Wolf as a youth prospect um Michael Burton came here from Minnesota but he's been here for almost four years now I think coming at a pretty young age so I, I think Austin can claim him at this point to a certain degree right yeah, I think he counts for sure. Um, even if he wasn't, yeah, he'd, he'd come up through the U12s or the whole system or whatever. So last year he made 24 appearances, 14 starts, uh, two goals as Austin FC2 won the league title. For the 2024 season, like what what do you think this means for for Micah Burton and his contributions? I, I mean, it, it's exciting for the like the d- development pipeline. It's a big first step. Uh, but I don't know that he's going to be ready for many, if any, first team minutes this year. He he wasn't even a full time starter for Austin FC two. Um, he's young. A lot can change at this age really quickly. So maybe he will get there. Maybe he will show that that he's um, he's ready for minutes on the first team. But just based on what we saw last year, I would guess most of his minutes will still come with Austin FC two, while he, um, matures both in his game and just like develops a little bit physically. I think that's a thing that he'll still need to do. I saw some comparisons with between him and the other homegrown player, Owen Wolf. Owen got signed to the first team at a younger age, but he was, I think much more physically mature at that age than Micah is now even. Um, so like, yeah, I, I, I don't know that he's anywhere close to as first team ready as Owen was a year and a half ago or whenever that was. So then why sign him um, for, uh, to that contract? Do you think, I mean, one of the reasons you would do that is because there's other, um, there's like other interests. Do you think that that's why he's maybe a first team guy? Yeah. I mean, MLS teams sign homegrowns all the time, knowing that they're not ready for the first team, but it's locking him in for the future. It's, having seen enough of him to know he's not ready now, but he's going to be ready. And so if I think Mike is going to be 18 in a few months, um, he turns 18, he finishes out his Academy season. He could just walk and go sign for whoever he wants. And so as he does get closer to that age and closer to being ready, yeah, lock him in. And I think it was a, a four year deal with another option. So they would hold his rights for the next five to seven years or something like, like it's going to be a long time because he's not going to be a free, like eligible for free agent, free agency. So at least five years, they'll hold his rights. If he wants to stay in MLS past that, they'll still have 
the ability to renegotiate a contract with them at that point. So, um, yeah, it, it really is just about kind of securing a future for uh, a youth prospect that you developed. And the other news we got this week was that Sebastian Driussi obtained his green card uh, to become a permanent resident of the United States. I guess the uh, Austin FC fan part of me likes to believe that that means that he's committed to being, you know, Austin forever. Um, I don't know <laughs> that necessarily does that. Uh, but it's it's good news. The most important news, I think, for Austin is that he now no longer occupies a uh, an international roster slot. Right. Yeah. Good news for him as an individual. I'm sure it makes his life a little bit easier. But yeah, excellent news for the Austin FC roster build. Uh, we were trying to count this up before we started. Do you want? Do you still have that pulled up, or can you name the international roster spots that are taken up at the moment? So, yeah, I can. One of them is a guy we haven't talked about yet. Uh, Baru is one who's actually not on the roster yet, or not on the roster page on the website yet. Uh, then it is uh, Obreon, uh, Rigoni, Pereira, and Vicenin. Okay. The, the players listed on the website as having international roster. So, international designation. So including Biru, we are now at, we have five international roster spots taken up. Uh, when Danny Pereira announced that he had obtained his work visa, there's been no announcement from the club about how that affects green card status or anything like that. So we're, until we hear otherwise, we're going to assume he still takes up an international roster spot. Um, yeah, I don't think there's any. There, yeah, there's another way, other way to look at that. But yeah, I mean, it, just going back to what we were talking about, these Austin FC two players in camp with the first team, I think three, the three that we mentioned uh, would all take up international roster spots. So yeah, it, it makes it tough on them only having those three spots. And then we'll get into more player rumors in the second segment that maybe even fewer of those are going to be available in the not so distant future. Yeah, so it becomes tight. I mean, I guess there's always the opposite. There's always the opportunity to acquire roster spots, right? We've seen Austin um, trade either acquire or give away. It feels like international slots every year, almost depending upon yeah. depending upon the need. But there's there's a cost for that. There's a gam cost for that, right? And for uh, like an allocation money strapped team, like you don't want to have to spend money on international roster spots. You're better served spending it on players, right? So hopefully we're not we're not pushed to that moment. And I, I'm guessing they're going to try to avoid having to do that at all, like as, as much as they can. Well, we've teased players. So maybe let's go ahead and take a break. And then we will talk about Austin. What, well, one thing that I wanted to mention before we got into that is we had lunch on Tuesday of last week and left that lunch thinking, surely they will sign some players. <laughs> and I think like probably while we were complaining about it, walking back to the car, I think we got we got an announcement that Austin FC has signed a new player. So we'll cover that after the break. Yeah, cover that. And then also some reports of potentially some other players coming in. So hang tight. We'll be right back with more Moon Tower Soccer. No Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by our friends at FVF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC. FEF is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community, transparency, and client education. And as a person who has watched a lot of sports, which has a lot of screaming billboard lawyers in them, I definitely appreciate the FEF approach. You can go to FEF.law to find out what makes FEF a different kind of injury law firm and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case. Once again, that's FEF.law. 
Amplify Credit Union is a member-owned financial cooperative that serves the needs of Central Texans for over five decades. Amplify's team lives and works in the community, making them the experts on how members can achieve their financial goals. What makes Amplify different? No bank fees. Amplify is the first financial institution in Texas to put an end to bank fees. In 2022, Americans paid almost $8 billion in overdraft fees alone. Millennials pay an average of $336 a year in bank fees, which works out the six Austin FC game tickets per person per year. You'll pay none of those bank fees with Amplify Credit Union. Amplify membership is open to any Texas resident. Learn to trust your bank again at Amplify Credit Union. To learn more, go to www.goamplify.com slash moontower. Our premier sponsor, McGuire Woods Consulting, helps companies and nonprofits navigate the political process at the Texas Capitol and also at the city and national level through lobbying, communication strategies, and general advocacy. And we can say, since we went to lunch with them last week, they're delightful people um, and a lot of fun to spend time with and have a lot of uh, interesting ideas for how we can can do more this year to connect with fans. Yeah, absolutely. With offices across the country and in 10 MLS cities, including Austin, Houston, and Dallas, McGuire Woods Consulting is solidly Verde and Black. Learn more about our friends at McGuire Woods Consulting at mwcllc.com. All right, we are back. We have teased uh, the official signing a couple of times throughout the show. We're going to talk about that and then move on to some reported, I think we'll dedicate, call at least one of them a report, one of them maybe a rumor. I, well, maybe maybe these other two, we'll call them both reports. But the first one <laughs> there you is go. officially official. This is uh, Guilherme Biru. Uh <laughs> This is a 23-year-old left back from Brazil, currently playing at Mirasol in Serie B, which is the second division in Brazil. I was looking at his name. Did you notice that Biru is not in his name anywhere? No, I didn't notice that. Oh, oh, right, because they do. They have his full name in here. Uh, is Guilherme de Trinidad Dubai? I, 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 I did it? some some uh, investigating. I think I know how to pronounce it, <laughs> but okay, I'm probably going to do it wrong. But Guilherme, I think, is the first name. Da Trindade Dubas. Wow. And but but Biru, no Biru. Biru is like what he goes by. Guilherme Biru. And I was doing some investigating into that. And from best I could tell, there is a player like in maybe the 70s or 80s that went by Biru Biru and had like a distinctive hairstyle. And Chris Haig, a friend of the show, Chris Haig, helped me track down some of some like resources on this story as well. But there's a lot of players that use the name Biru as a nickname in Brazil and including another player named Guilherme Biru that plays in the, the Brazilian first division. Um, but it apparently, apparently it's just like a nickname given to people who have, or have had at one time, a similar hairstyle to the original Biru Biru. And so that's where I think the, the Biru part of his name comes from, but that's, that's what he goes by. I think that's what's on, what's on his shirt. So uh, I guess that's what we'll be calling him here as well. I wish we had more fun nicknames in this sport and in, in this country. I feel like baseball used to be really good about having like guys like Red and Stretch and Iron Horse and stuff like that. We just <laughs> we sort of lost those. But Brazil, uh, I, I do like Biru. Brazil plays pretty fast and loose with the nicknames. It's just like whatever nickname you want can go on your shirt, and like every player has a nickname or just goes by their first name. So I, it's a, a fun approach to it. Yeah. So I saw some. Um, we'll get into him as a player. I think one of the things that I wanted to just mention. You know, some people were complaining about 
taking a guy to the second division. He did play in Serie A, the Brazilian top flight, from 2020 to 2022. So he's got experience there. Yeah, he I, he played. It came up through the youth system at Curitiba, and then broke into their first team in 2020. So got some starts and some appearances in the first division in 2020. Started 33 games in the second division in 2021, and then they moved back up. And he had 10 starts and several other appearances in the first division in 2022. He was then sold to Mirasol uh, in 2023. Uh, looking at their history, they were traditionally a lower level team, and they've been kind of moving up, moving up the ranks over the last few years. Broke into the Brazilian second division, and I imagine they're trying to either stay there or continue moving up, which is why probably why they're looking at guys like him who had experience in the first division. So he is a player who has played and can play in the Brazilian first division, but just happened to be in the second division this year. So I wouldn't put too much stock in the fact that he's not in the first division there. And it's, it's not all second divisions are created equal, right? Like Brazil is one of the richer soccer leagues in the world, as far as the amount they spend on players, the talent that they have there. So, um, the the Brazilian if it, you're going to be in a second division like the Brazilian one is not the worst one it's a good from. one yeah um, so but what yeah, do we expect st- from him as a player yeah so he's just looking at him like he's a he has a big frame for a fullback I think he's listed as six two um, pretty pretty decent service with his left foot uh, I don't think it's the curve on his his crosses is not as sexy as Cole Minich's, but um, pretty serviceable balls into the box uh it doesn't seem with his size like he's he doesn't seem super nimble but has decent top speed um will definitely be able to compete physically much better than Kolmanich as far as like defending um uh, defending in the box and things like that i was watching some clips of him on y scout and found a game where he was playing against jefferson saverino uh who's played in mls for i think a few different times at this point uh it got cooked by saverino a few times but most defenders in MLS can say that they've gotten cooked by Saverino several times. So it's a good little like level setter to say like, okay, yeah, he's, he's pretty good, but the best defenders in MLS are probably still going to beat him sometimes. Um, from what I've seen of him, I think he's probably a little more skillful on the ball than Jean Kolmanich is. Uh, he, he's not Marcelo. He's not Danny Alves, but he still has a little bit, of that Brazilian style that comes out every once in a while, uh, takes set pieces and has a pretty, like pretty heavy shot on set pieces. So kind of a long distance shooter on those. I think Kolmanich might be a better crosser than him still, but overall, just the overall skill set, I think Biru is probably a more functional player overall. I think it's going to come down to, uh, just like looking at, like, is he stepping straight into the starting lineup? Is is he Kolmanich's backup? I think it's probably a pretty fair match just based on their bodies of work so far. Um, and I think it's going to come down to him. Just how quickly does he adapt to a new country, to a new league? How quickly does he settle into the system? Things like that. Um, but I think he does have a chance to to play quite a few minutes this year. Yeah, and I, I don't, it's not like a earth-changing signing, obviously overall, but it's the kind of it's the kind of signing that Austin has to have in order to be better this year than Austin was last year. Um, look, we don't know what John Kolmich, although apparently he looks very swaggy, according to you seeing him on South 
<laughs> just see him in South Austin. But like, we don't know if he's going to come back fully healthy, even if he does. Like, that's still a thin set of fullbacks. So um, it seems like a good piece to, at the very least, be depth. And hopefully, um, as a guy who's 23 and has a lot, I mean, a lot of game time in pretty high-level soccer at this point in time, like, hopefully he makes the team better overall. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did. I did see John Coleman just walking down South Congress the other day. Um, I was I was sitting at Home Slice eating pizza. Uh, he, I'll, I'll happy to report, he did not stop for pizza at Home Slice. So making healthy decisions leading into preseason there, uh, but looked great. Just has long hair, dangly cross earring in one ear. Just just looked great. So I, I'm predicting it now. John Coleman is going to look great coming back into coming back into off season or preseason after this this year out with an injury all right i love it um we also got rumors about a potential um another fullback coming in in the summer and i think this is one of the like we we talked about how like fullback and then just attack across the board were super thin so um i would say you know one more addition would be a welcome addition so i think you did a little bit of research on this guy let's talk about uh Diesler? Michael Diesler? I think it's probably Mikhail Dessler. I've got got Matt Beasler in my brain now. I think Mikhail Dessler would be my guess. We can confirm uh, if this comes to fruition. But yeah, this is reports coming both from, uh, I think it's Football Mercado in France, and then also... Uh, a writer called Farzam Abul Hosseini out of Denmark. And <laughs> We Are Austin TV retweeted uh, Farzam's report and said, a new player rumor, this guy, blah, 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 blah. And Farzam just responds, no rumor. <laughs> and so so we, this, this is why I think I've that been, means fact, right? <laughs> well, it's like, this is, yeah, I'm, this isn't hearsay. I know that they're talking about this. And the, the way that he worded it is like, they're close. Like this is close to being done. And FIFA rule, rules allow whenever you are in the last six months of your contract, you can start negotiating a pre-contract with another team. I don't think that applies within MLS moves. Um, so like an MLS free agent wouldn't be able to negotiate a pre-contract with another MLS team. But for international moves, uh, I believe that's the case even with incoming ones into MLS. So it's like it seems like they are talking to this guy and they're trying to figure out um, just how to how to make this this contract work. But reports are that it wouldn't be until the summer. His contract is valid through June, I believe. And so essentially until the end of the French season, he's playing in uh, for Toulouse in France. Until, until the end of their season, then he would be available to come to Austin. Uh, if the, again, if this this happens, but uh, again, it, not so different profile from Biru. He's on the right side, um, so he's six foot two. Also, kind of a lanky guy. Not not a high flying attacking fullback, but has good recovery speed. I think he's. It's hard to say without seeing them run next to each other, but I think he's probably faster than Biru at his top speed. Uh, really good game awareness from what I saw as well. Just seems to be really intelligent, makes really good decisions. And his experience really shows on the field. Just, um, I saw a few times where he'd be up in the attack, they would lose the ball and he would be in the right spot to kind of stop their counterattack in the right moment. And just like a lot of really smart things like that, 
um, moving into spaces to support his teammates in certain areas just seems seems to make the right decision all the time. So the last guy we got from Toulouse was, was Ruben Gabrielson, well, yeah, we, right? You, yeah, I was going to say, you played, you played a, a, a drop from him on this show uh, already. Um, so, I mean, we already kind of know the level there, right? And I, Ruben was even playing in the second division for most of his time there whenever they dropped down. Dessler has, I, I think he's been with them in the first division the whole time, if I'm not mistaken, but that's where he's playing now. And is like a nailed on starter for them in the French first division. So I, I think, I mean, looking like looking at Biru and not being sure if he's going to be a nailed on starter coming into the lineup, this guy is like this guy's pedigree, the level he's playing at now, he should walk right into an Austin FC starting 11, right? He should, and don't you feel like this is um, the uh, oh he, he they were they were in league two uh, the first year he played for him okay um, but the last two years he's been been league one. Um, this seems like the kind of player that we hoped for when Rodolfo Burrell was added, right? Like we like we heard in the press conference, you know, it's the talents in the summer um, that he would be able to get players out of top five leagues and bring them in. Like this is kind of. This would be consistent with, I think, what we were thinking about, like the best of Burrell coming in would possibly be. Yeah, and so I, I, I do think that he would be a starter. I think another question, though, is a starter at what position? Because he's not, the, he's not like the overlapping guy. He's not John Gallagher that's going to be swashbuckling up and down the sideline. I wouldn't be surprised if both Dessler and Biru were – being looked at maybe not full time, but at least part part of the time or for certain um, certain tactical setups, certain games, certain opponents to be used kind of how Nick Lima was last year, where they would start in a back four and then shift into a back three as John Gallagher would bomb up one side, shift into a back three in the attack and have one of these guys sit a little bit deeper, still having the ability and the freedom to kind of step forward into the attack as we get into that finishing shape in the final third to be able to step forward, play a little bit, like get involved in the attack, but also be able to kind of defend in that back line and and have the defensive prowess, the defensive capabilities of a center back. And this is kind of what we were talking about. And we we talked about Owen Wolf potentially playing fullback this season. I think maybe these, the Biru signing and then this, this report as well. Um, maybe are ending that that uh, experiment before it ever started, but it it still kind of speaks to the same the same idea and solves the same problem as having these flexible guys who can kind of shift into different parts of the field and different phases of play and be effective in in all of those areas of the field as they do that. And I would not be surprised if these two guys were being looked at as as the like the puzzle pieces that will fill that hole. And do you think that – I remember we were talking last week about um, Joshua's sort of ability to learn and not be dogmatic and have sort of this, like, very very defined, you know, positional style of play was maybe, like, past its – was past its time. Like, do you think these are the kind of guys that allow, um, like, the basis of that system to come into play but also allow the flexibility that maybe gives Austin, like, a different look? I could think that was probably the best Austin was last year. Um, was when they were like playing a little differently, um, and it seems like that these players would fit in that profile. Yeah, I mean, I th- 
yeah, I, I still think all of that is true that he needs to learn to be a bit more flexible, but also having players that actually fit the system well and can be flexible in not just in where you tell them to stand, but the way that you're actually playing, like knowing how to mold themselves to the game. Like that's also very important for this kind of system work. And Pep Guardiola was uh, in an interview was quoted as saying like the final third has nothing to do with tactics. It's about talent. And like that, that applies to this, this whole style, not just the final third, but yeah, like if if you don't have guys who can actually do anything when you get down there, what does it matter if they're in the right spot or if they're getting in advantageous positions? Like, I think that's part of it too. Just like he, he does, Wolf needs to needs to learn to be a bit more flexible or at least adapt to his players and to the game. But if he can bring in players that will suit his style better, that should improve the team as well. Well, which touches on the. I think even given the like who's who we've signed in the offseason, like still the biggest position of need is in that final third and in the attack. So that seems to la- naturally lead us into um, our next player rumor, which again, we don't like to share like every possible rumor that anyone has ever posted anywhere, but this one has both uh, Tom Bogart and Cesar Luis Merlo tweets about it. So that yeah. seems like a pretty reliable uh, information set. Yeah, and so what the report was here is that Austin FC bid $3 million for Miguel Borja, who's currently playing for River Plate uh, in Argentina. Uh, the report is that that bid was rejected, that River want more for him. Um, and again, just the, the people who are saying this, like this seems like it actually is happening. Uh, he is, I think he's going to be 31 here pretty soon. So... Not the young, promising striker I think a lot of Austin FC fans are hoping for, but the guy scores. Like, he scores a lot of goals. Yeah, and we've talked about, one, how awfully expensive, like, the young strikers actually... Well, there are very few young young strikers who are actually proven that you're ever going to be able to bring into MLS. And if you can, they're going to be super expensive. Um, But this guy seems to fit the profile of somebody who's not... I mean, he's productive year after year after year and hasn't seen a huge drop-off. Um, seems like the kind of guy that people should be excited about if Austin can close the deal. Yeah, talking about his age, like you said, like if you get a young guy who scored the amount of goals that Borja has scored, like you don't get him for three to five million. You pay 15 to 20 million for that guy. And so like those numbers affect each other. Uh, the younger guy who's maybe scored... Uh, five or six goals in the French second division, like you pay a few million for him and hope it works out. But like, that's just kind of how the math works here. And so um, it seems to me, so Borja has also moved around a fair amount. Um, I I don't, haven't done a ton of research into this, but it seems like he's like fallen out at certain clubs or maybe has been inconsistent and, has fallen out of favor with coaches or whatever. So I don't, I don't know how much there is to that, but that could be something to it where it's like, okay, this, this guy's good enough that, well, yeah, let's, let's throw $3 million at him and see if they'll take it. Um, maybe he's not an ideal fit, but like if they'll, if we can get him for this much, then yeah, we'll take him for sure. Uh, the, the reports were that, that there might be a second offer for him. We'll see 
uh, it, how, how, like how bad Austin wants him. But one thing that I found encouraging about this is that for this kind of fee, if, if they're paying $3 million for a transfer fee, and then a 30-year-old striker who scores this much is going to command a pretty big salary, this would have to be a DP spot, which means they are looking at a DP spot added this year. Yeah, that that's exciting no matter what. And so what let's just to do the math on that. Like at what what are the situations that open up that DP spot? Cuz right now there's not one available. Yeah, I mean, I, it would just be keeping Musajite out on loan for the rest of the year and buying down Alex Ring with allocation money. That's all that has to happen at this point. And so if they're like in the market for this kind of player right now, it means either they're planning on, they they think they have enough allocation money to buy down Alex Ring, or they think that maybe they're going to move on Alex Ring. Like one of those two things needs to happen. Or another DP, it could be another DP um, that they move out, but they need to free up a DP spot. And that's the, the easiest way to do it is if they have enough allocation money is to buy down Alex Ring. And they finally seem to have a little flexibility to be able to do that, right? Like it's funny, a few months ago, Austin seemed very stuck, and just from the players that got let go during this offseason, the, um, the, they've opened up some space to be able to do some things. It's just a matter of like getting them right. Yeah, it, it does feel like they have some, some room to breathe now, which is, uh, it's a relief. It, it really is. <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing that happened, um, oh, wait, I guess one question I have before we get off this topic is, why should an Austin FC fan care if it's three and a half or five and a half or seven and a half? You know, it's not our money. And I mean, other than the fact that electric jellyfish may also go up like $2 more in the stadium, like what, what is about MLS where like ultimately the, these fees do matter? Uh, so as far as, but like roster build goes and the salary budget, if it's a DP, it doesn't matter. They're going to hit at, I don't know what the new remember what the new number is, but it's like close to seven hundred thousand dollars. Um, they're going to hit the cap at that, and that nothing else. So anything above that really only matters to Anthony Precourt and company. Uh, anything that's anybody that's not a DP, that number matters a lot because that does count towards the salary cap, the transfer fee, and their salary. And so if you spend a bunch of money on guys who don't hit, like Austin has repeatedly, then uh, it, it hurts you. And Austin has seen that. So I think those reasons, that's when it matters and doesn't matter. Uh, on, like removing the MLS lens from it, it matters because owners will stop spending money. Like we've heard reports that the Austin FC ownership group is not the richest in the league. Like they're, they're lower down the, the table as, as far as that goes. If they lose interest and and keep losing money on all these things. Maybe they're going to spend a little bit less. And so um, I think like that part of it matters too. So far, it seems like they haven't lost that interest, but it could happen at some point. Yeah, it could. And part of the reason they haven't is just the, all the things on the, like the attendance and the sponsorships and all that, right? Just, they're just printing money on the business side of things. But if the results on the field don't pan out because Austin has made so many mistakes on, um, on the on-field part of it, then that also can spill over to the other side to where, like, 
well, there's not as much excitement and people aren't buying every single jersey of the day it comes out. And now all of a sudden, it does maybe make the owners a little bit more timid about, about spending that kind of money. Yeah. Right, um, the thing I wanted to go into, but that um, we heard, we talked about last week, we kind of knew Johan Romagna was going out, um, going, going, going back to South America. And uh, I think like you got all excited by the fact that we actually got somebody to pay money for him. Yeah, I mean, we we the, so the report that had come out, the like it it looked official enough that he was going to is it I can't, I can't remember the team San Lorenzo in Argentina, and the report was that it was going to be like a loan, and maybe they were paying a little like a small loan fee for him, and for that I was thrilled. I was like, this is a guy who is like a a burden at this point as far as like his quality to cap space ratio goes like it was a bad number and so if we can get rid of him without having to continue to pay his salary great i call that a win reports come out the next day by tom from tom bogert saying that san lorenzo did not take him on loan but a permanent transfer and for seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. and this kind of blew my mind like does that number not seem really big to you <laughs> it seems really high especially knowing that uh like knowing what we know that austin is motivated like they need johan romagna to not be on the book so it's not like um he's an asset he didn't shouldn't be an asset with a ton of value where and, like, austin's it, demanding top dollar for him yeah not they're not in a good negotiating position right and so right. like i could i don't know i could see a situation where maybe he had an option year and they were able to leverage that to bump up the price a little bit. Or maybe there's some weird like MLS budget magic going on where like his salary is going to be super low. And like, they're like, okay, if they made a deal with San Lorenzo or something where just like make the, make it look better on Austin FC's salary budget. I don't know what happened, but whatever it is, I'm very happy for it. Just the fact that we were able to get some money out of this deal for a player who I was happy just to let walk away. Yeah. And, uh, I guess going beyond that, we, there's still more players to come. There's still, still four supplemental roster spots, four senior slots open. We expect Austin to fill most, um, if not all those slots, I feel this is the first show in a while that I've felt, uh, like a lot of enthusiasm <laughs> out of the roster build. But we're also in a little bit of the – there was the uh, um, old phrase in baseball when spring training would start that hope springs eternal. And yeah. we might be we might be a little bit in that phase of it. But the money for Romagna, the flexibility from Giussi, like the types of the, – the quality of players that Austin has like both signed and been linked with over the last week or so, like leave me more in a, like a happier place than I was a few weeks ago. Yeah, I, I am also much happier. Don't get me wrong. I don't think <laughs> – any of what has happened so far means Austin's a title contender this year. Far from it. I think they still have a lot of work to do and need to use these last few roster spots really wisely in order to be able to compete this year and like really even to like secure a playoff spot with what the the depth chart looks like now. But they're moving in the right direction. They have raised their floor from what from from my standpoint, from what I can see of these players they've brought in. I feel like the floor has been raised. Um, they're going after some big name, some like big name productive players, which is also encouraging. Yeah, th that's the reason why I am more optimistic now. It's still going to take some time. This, this as Burrell, Burrell, like we 
theorized if like Burrell was trying to manage expectations or if he actually meant this is going to take three windows. I think he meant it. This is going to take three transfer windows before he actually has it, which that third transfer window is going to be next winter. And that's when a lot of these, these bigger albatross contracts will expire. And then he has real flexibility. So he can, if he can set himself a decent base this season and then have that additional flexibility next off season to really like shape this team into, into his vision, that's when I think we could really start to see some big differences. Yeah. And another part of that is just a lot of this comes down to because there's, because it's salary, like salary cap league and there's so much parity is like health, right? Like if Austin's best 11 players stay healthy all year and things break, right. Then Austin can probably be like a pretty decent club, but you know, nobody, nobody, especially not a team that's constructed in this way that needs some help to be built for sustained success can leave, can deal with like Sebastian Drusy going out for 12 weeks or something like that. So that's really it's like it's a positivity, but it's like a precarious amount of positivity. I think that we have right now about where this club's going. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, let's take one more break and then we'll come back with uh, our last segment. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by Covert Ford. The Coverts have been meeting the needs of local car buyers for 114 years because of their service, financial expertise and support after the sale. In addition to supporting car buyers, Covert's an important part of the soccer community and the official automotive partner of Austin FC. This week, we want to talk to you about a 2023 Ford F-150 XLT, stock number 223-1529. You'll get $13,107 off MSRP on this truck or 2.9% APR for 72 months. It's not compatible with any other offer. It's with approved Ford credit only. Not all buyers will qualify. Check the website for details. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, be sure to check out covertford.com. Moon Tower Soccer is also brought to you by Sage Wilson Realty. The Sage Wilson Realty team is made up of Austin experts who are client-focused and have over 30 years of combined real estate experience. If you or someone you know are in need of Sage Real Estate advice in Austin, talk to our friends at Sage Wilson Realty. Be sure to check them out online at sagewilson.com. All right, we are back. As preseason kind of marches on, we get closer to the start of the regular season. We're starting to see um, some articles from national writers, some season previews, some depth chart uh, depth chart rankings and things like that. Uh, how, how much of this should we pay attention to, Jeremiah? Well, that's a that's I think. I think, it, I think it's interesting. Um, I think people shouldn't like pay, put too much stock, like good or bad, into it. I mean, one we talked about with Seth last, last week. It is very, very hard to know this league um, and like what things are going, how things are going to go from year to year. And so much of these predictions are mostly like this team was good last year. They're going to be good this year. This team was bad last year. They're going to be bad this year. Or maybe there's situations where there's a total upheaval, and so there's some prediction that they will get a lot better or a lot worse. I would imagine. Um, I haven't read any Colorado Rapids previews, but I imagine people are really, really high on them. But like, and ultimately, at the end of the day, like nobody knows how this is going to come together, um, and um, how this is all going to turn out. And I think it's particularly hard to be a national writer or national <clears throat> media personality when there's thirty teams in this league, and um, you can't know a great amount of detail about 
all of them or any of them other than just like the ones that get the, the most attention. Yeah, so Matt Doyle put out uh, an article today, I believe, and it was like what what every team needs in the transfer window. And one of the things he mentions on there is um, he, he does mention a striker, but then the thing that he brings up is Emiliano Rigoni. It's like, yeah, he wasn't great, but like that's not Austin's biggest need, is it? Right? <laughs> like we have one striker on the whole roster. Right, exactly. And and yeah, and and we need like it's a creative attacking player, hopefully, you know, a forward, but it can also come from anywhere across the front line, but yeah, I don't know how you could uh look at just having Jesse's artist and think that like that's not a great position of need. And it's so it's funny. I was also going through just an example of how bad these can be from season to season. So I've already picked St. Louis City to finish last in the West last year. And this year, the St. Louis's biggest need is no pressing needs because they, with the roster that they built last year that everybody thought was going to be the worst team in the league, <laughs> so good they don't have anywhere they need help. Yeah, I I think, and I, I don't want to say that like these people are stupid because they're not. I think, like we mentioned Matt Doyle, I think Matt Doyle is like, knows a lot about soccer and is a really smart guy. But like you said, there's too many teams to cover. And I think the part where I get annoyed and I think a lot of people get annoyed is when people pretend to know. And like, we understand that like as content creators, like there is a pressure to know you're supposed to be the one to know. And for us, like it's a little easier because we're paying attention to one team, but when Matt Doyle is supposed to be an expert on 30 teams and then pretends to be an expert on 30 teams, that's when I get a little bit irked by it all. And so I, I don't think you should just write off all of these guys because most of them are pretty smart people and, and know the game really well. They just don't necessarily know your team very well. And I, I think that's the thing. Like if they're talking about inter Miami or like, uh, the strengths of Denny Buanga, they probably have watched a lot of those guys and probably do know a lot about them. But if they're talking about Austin FC's fullback depth or whatever, they probably don't really know what they're talking about. Yeah, I think ultimately the way I try to treat it is like sort of in like in broad sketches in like general ways. Like absolutely, like I, I mean I listen to these shows every week and I read all the content and uh, I mean it's really good. But yeah, to like what you said is like no like in depth things about particular parts of parts of the roster every team is just not very realistic um and that's why like it's um like support local media you know not, not <laughs> here obviously we i mean we have a vested interest in supporting local media here but you know everywhere you're never going to be able to find coverage of, of any team in the league um like you can like whoever the local creators are and i think that's something something that like we've learned from doing previews and stuff you know you're a lot better off when we're when we're previewing like the next game week to go to whoever the moon tower soccer of whatever team we're playing is as opposed to what the national writers or national media are going to say about them yeah um speaking of like certain things you shouldn't pay attention to on the internet there was another report online about uh carlos vela being approached by austin fc and i think i saw (laughs) another one about chicharito ignore this i'm not i'm not going to say who they are or what their name is but there's a twitter account who trolls tom boger all the time and then had in their twitter bio that they were they worked for the striker for a while as they were like making up transfer rumors they did not work for the striker nobody at the striker knew who this person was 
And so uh, double, double check, like, who, like, whenever you see something floating around on the internet, again, just with media literacy in general, find, do a little investigating of, like, where this is coming from and whether or not you should believe them. Okay, well, and now when we talked about, you talked about the striker position and just random things that we learned off social media, uh, Will Bruin is still in town um, and went to the monster truck races with uh, Hector Jimenez and probably their kids. <laughs> Early, I think this is another North End pod. Um, no, but like, is, is Will Bruin a viable option for the third striker at this point in time in Austin if he's hanging around? Like, yeah, I hate it. I mean, I, it wouldn't shock me to see him as a trialist in camp. Uh, next week or some point whenever these preseason games start going on. So, um, I mean, we, we saw he could put in a shift, like, especially if he's that third guy again, but maybe on like a senior minimum spot making, because he wasn't before, right? He was on a senior spot before, wasn't he? He was on a senior spot before, right? So if he was like Hector, if he was on the supplemental making the senior minimum. Yeah. Yeah. And he was a trialist last year, right? Didn't, didn't he come on a trial basis? I believe so. I think that's right. So there, there's a path to that, but that's one, you know, when Austin's looking to fill roster slots, they didn't specifically mention in the release about who was let go. You know, they mentioned that they were still negotiating with Hector, but um, I would be totally okay with Will coming back as the second. I mean, it's the third striker, sorry. Not, not as the second. Yeah, I mean, if it, it's not my first choice, but if it happens, I'm not going to be too mad about it. And, and I think a lot of our feelings on, like if, if Will Bruin does end up on this roster, a lot of our feelings about that are going to depend on who the other striker is on the roster probably. Yeah, totally. All right. Anything else, Jeremiah? No, I think we can wrap it up. All right. Oh, I guess before we get into like just the closing, closing, I mean, this is, this is, we, I know we have teasing next week, but like I'm excited about next week's show. So like, let's oh, start yeah. with that before we do that. Yeah. So we confirmed this today. We're going to have a player interview, first player interview of 2024, and it's going to be Ethan Finley. So uh, we'll be reaching out to uh, our Patreon members tomorrow on Tuesday when this comes out, asking for some questions. Uh, but yeah, very excited about that and excited for you guys to hear it. All right, now going to the closing. <laughs> All right. Uh, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, come find us on the internet. I'm at LVHero87. Jeremiah is at jbentley underscore ATX. That's on Twitter. And then we're at Moon Tower Soccer on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And then uh, we're... Working on Patreon rewards for 2024, so we'll have some announcements about that pretty soon. Check out Phil West Substack, verydayallday.substack.com slash moontower. And then um, I think that's all. Thanks so much for listening. Like we mentioned, we'll be back next week with that interview with Ethan Finley and then whatever Austin FC News pops up between now and then. Until then, I'm Lennon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. When no one is around. Thank for nothing, you never. La gente. Oh my god.